So again, you're all very welcome to our Fire in the South retreat. Um, back in the 90s, for those who were alive uh, back then, um, I was part of a youth group, and it was a, it, was, it was a fantastic youth group. It was definitely a huge influence in my faith and probably kept me more or less on the straight and narrow in my teen years. And we used to go on an annual pilgrimage. We'd go somewhere very often to Medjugorje. And it was just, just a wonderful experience. You know, I mean, you put back in the day, things were a lot easier in youth ministry as in you could just pile 60 young people into a house. <laughs> well, girls on one side, girls upstairs, fellas downstairs, a sniper in between. And then just, <laughs> and uh, so it was just, it was, it was just, it was, it was a great, exp- I mean, it was great fun. It was, it was great fun. But it was, there, were, there were great faith experiences there as well, you know. Uh, but like the community side, the, the fun was all very necessary as well in order to kind of keep us coming, you know, because that's like we, we, we need community. We need to experience also the sense of family in our faith. It's not just, my goodness, um, thou shalt not, and you know, spend your life walking this kind of tightrope, trying not to offend God so he doesn't smite you. That is not our faith. That is not our faith. Our faith is a family, and God is our Father, and what he wants for us is for our good. And so, yes, he does ask us to do certain things and avoid certain things like any good parent does, uh, because he wants our happiness. I'm going way off on a tangent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a brief introduction. So youth group was, was amazing and fantastic. We went on these, one, of these, one, one of these pilgrimages to Medjugorje. And uh, <clears throat> when we came back from this pilgrimage, we landed. Uh, in, we were on the way back. And um, the priest responsible for the pilgrimage came over and said, look, uh, I've got a bit of news for you. Uh, it's, not, it's not great news. This was my sister, my brother, my brother, my brother's sister, myself. <clears throat> and um, I said, what is it? Well, we didn't want to tell you why we were in Medjugorje, but um, you've had a, a fire on, on your farm. So they said, no one is hurt, but there's a lot of damage done. So, so we came back, and we, we drove in home. And so our house is here, and there were two large barns there, and then smaller barns along here. All of the large barns were, were black and semi-collapsed, with smoke still, still billowing out of them. Uh, now... For those from the town, maybe this mightn't be very significant. For farmers, that's your life. That's, that's everything you've built up. That's everything, you know, you, you, that, that's, your, that's your treasure. That's your store. That's where everything was. For us as kids, that was our playground. That was our workshop. That was where we kept the tractor and the animals. And that, you know, that was where we lived, almost, more out in the sheds than in the house. Uh, so I walked in, walked into the shed, and... Uh, the tractor was all burnt out and all of our tools were all burnt up. Um, all of our firing and the potato store that we had uh, was all, all, all ruined. Uh, there was plastic mesh insulation in the ceiling which had gone on fire and had rained flaming drops of plastic onto the animals there. So the animals, um, some burnt alive, some were half burned, some were very, very injured. Um, so it was, it, was, it was ugly. The whole thing was a mess. The whole thing was... was uh, um, it, was, it was just, yeah, just, uh, it was just so, so saddening, so saddening. Um, so we went in home, and mom and dad obviously were in tears and so on and so forth, and we uh, spoke a little, and I, I can't remember exactly what we did. We probably prayed at some point. Um, but I remember within a short time, I was upstairs in my room. I was 20 years of age, by the way, at this point. I was 20 years of age. I was upstairs in my room, and our, my bedroom is right over the living room. And I could hear mom and dad in the room below me. My mom was crying. And she was crying out loud and she said, why? Why? Why has all this happened? 
In today's gospel, <clears throat> we have, I think, a scene that either has happened to us or probably will happen to us. Jesus was in the boat. Then it began to blow a gale, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that it was almost swamped. But he was in the stern, his head on a cushion, asleep. They woke him and said to him, Master, do you not care? We are going down. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Quiet now, be calm. And the wind dropped and there was calm again. Then he said to them, Why are you so frightened? How is it that you have no faith? And they were filled with awe. Why does this happen? Why does it happen that, well, why do bad things happen for a start? Why do bad things happen? And why, when these bad things are happening, does it seem like the Lord is asleep? And why is it that so easily we say, Lord, do you not care? This is, this is going to be the experience of our lives. Because, like, again, you've probably experienced it already. And if you haven't, it's, 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 on, it's, on, it's coming. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's coming. But, <clears throat> again, like for those of us who are a little younger, again, our parents will eventually pass away more than, before us, more than likely. That's going to happen. I mean, my, my grand-aunt, she, she died at, at, at 100, and, you know, I remember talking to her before she died, and I said, it must be just amazing to reach such an age. And she said, everyone I know is gone. Brothers, sisters, neighbors, you know, they're, they're all dead. There's a, a whole new world around me now that I don't know. And for the last... 15, 20 years, I've been kind of disconnected from them. So I just, yeah, this elixir of eternal life here, who on earth would want that? So why does it all allow these things? That's a whole weekend retreat. I'll <laughs> uh, very, very briefly, though. So much of what happens, so much of what, ha of what happens in our lives that's painful and difficult. Right? It's, it's the result of sin. It's the result of sin. It's not God. It's the consequence of sin. It's the consequence of the fall. It's the consequence of people making choices based on their wants for themselves. Egoism. It's the result of, of, of people not listening to God. It's the result of any, any sin you want to name. Pride or lust or avarice or wrath or whatever it may be. So much pain is caused by, directed by people making choices that affect other people. You think of like some of the, the, the world leaders, your Lenin, your Stalin, your Hitlers, like the, the choices they made and the effects that it had on millions of people. That's not God. It's not his fault. And then you have other situations where there's maybe illness. We might say, well, that, that is kind of God because that, that's not really a consequence of sin, is it? Like cancer or something. What does that have to do with any world leader or any person's choices? Our heavenly homeland our destiny, our calling is to live with God forever in heaven. That's where he wants us to be. That's where he wants us to get. That's what this life is for. It's, it, it's a school. It's a preparation for eternal life. It's, it's our opportunity to choose whether we want this life that God is offering or not. He cannot and will not force us into heaven, no more than he cannot and will not force us to love him. He can't and he won't. It just makes no sense. 
I was, I hate when I quote movies because I do it too much, but, but I was watching a movie in the plane on the way back from, from Seek, which I won't name because it's a rubbish movie and you shouldn't be watching it because it's bad. <coughs> but this lady um, came across a, a, a more or less like a genie in the lamp kind of story. So this, this, uh, this genie asked her, you know, what are, what are the deepest desires of your heart? I spoke about this 10 days ago, so I'm not doing it again. But, but um, uh, basically, she starts to fall in love with this genie, right? And it was just, it, I mean, just, the script was just very well written. She started to fall in love with him. He needed her to make her wishes so that he could be free to go back to his realm of genius. Um, well, she, did, she wanted to hold on to him. She didn't want to make wishes so that she could keep him. Then one of her wishes eventually, which she wanted to express but didn't, was that, that he would love her. Right? And, she, and, and it was just very, I said, the, the script was very well written because she said, well, by wishing that, I took away his ability to do so. Right? Because if I wish it, then he's forced to love me. And that's not a free choice, so it's not love. In, in the same way, like, God, God gives us life. God gives us the world. God gives us everything we need. God waits for our reaction of love. He waits for our response. But, but he, he can't force it, or it's not love. So it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a kind of a heartbreaking situation for him, you know what I mean? You set everything out. You, you prepare the world. You make it so beautiful. You, you make everything in the world remind, should remind us of him. You send your son into the world to die for us. To show that I'm not just, this, these aren't just mere words here. I'll give my life for you. And all I want is just your, your reaction of, of Lord. I mean, when you think about it, that, that we as mere little creatures would actually have the, the gall to say to God, God, you're, you're enough for me. Of course I'm enough for you. I'm God. <laughs> I mean, of course he's enough. But, but yeah, but what we have to get to the stage where we will say it. And he's constantly trying to woo us and convince us and, and show us. But ultimately, it has to be my choice. It has to be, or it's just not love anymore. If, if it's anyway forced, it's just, it ceases to be love. So he prepares everything, sets it all out, presents it, presents it to us, and then has to take a, such a step back. This is the proof. This is my heart. Am I enough for you? Am I, as God, enough for you? It's, it, it, like, it, it's such a humble thing for him to do. It's astoundingly humble that God, the creator of the universe, the inventor of the eyeball and DNA, like, would say, am I enough for you? And then that we would have to think about it. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> like, sorry, who do you think you are? But this, but this is what we do. This is what we do. So like when, when difficulties come our way, and, and they will and they do, and, we, we, and we, we can't and won't ever understand everything. We, it's just God sees the big picture and he knows why certain things were allowed, and we don't. And maybe there are occasions where, where a certain cross uh, revealed, you know, wasn't, we, we could very clearly see that a certain cross was an opportunity to grow in virtue or in love or in forgiveness or in... Uh, be, thinking positively. You, know, you have this situation where you really want to think negatively about someone because they deserve it. And, and you choose to think positively. Now you've just learned something. You've learned to overcome your desire for 
revenge or you've, you've overcome that and you've, you've, you're choosing to think positively. Or a situation where, where you think of like, again, families and wills and, and all of the, the division that's caused by that and you, you choose to think well or you choose just simply to let it go. But my goodness, is that hard. You know, when it, it's so many situations like that really, really try you. I'm thinking of a situation of a friend of mine in Italy and like the, 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 the insanity of what's going on in that family just because the granny died for the last couple of years of her life she wasn't really compass mentis so now they're doubting the whole will and this family that never showed up to anything ever poor granny it was so difficult for her the last couple of years you know she was so alone yeah because you didn't visit her mm-hmm. and uh yeah, we just feel that it's, just, it's important now that as a family that everything is divided out, well, justly, and that we get everything, and that ye who took care of her, that ye get nothing, because we're family. <laughs> you know? it's, I mean, you, you, it's, it's something out of a movie, I won't go into the details, it's crazy though. And the, but then like, to look at that situation and say, if they do end up getting more, who knows, just to let it go. And to not let that become hatred in your heart. To not let that become a desire for revenge in your heart. You, to let it go. That's virtue. That's hard. But if you don't, your heart becomes hardened. And the more our hearts become hardened, the more we can't love. The more we stop loving. And this is what we've been created to do. So crosses, that come, the storms that come our way, we can see them as opportunities to doubt. We can see them as opportunities to even criticize God. We can see them as opportunities to walk away from him or opportunities to grow in faith. And this will be the story of our lives. Every challenge, every storm is an opportunity to grow in faith. And it's up to me what I do with that. And if, if I can learn, if I can react virtuously, if I can forgive, if I can be positive, if I can be loving, if I can choose to be joyful, if I can do all these things, then these crosses are actually, actually serving God. Do you mean they actually end up, it's like, it's like the more muck the enemy throws at us, the more we take it and put it under our roses. Do you know what I mean? It's like the more, the more, the more, yeah, I, <laughs> muck was a carefully chosen word. Okay. The more, the more dirt manure, okay, we go with that. The more manure is coming our way, the more we, we catch it and put it under our flowers. And then, so the more he's trying to hurt us, the more it actually ends up serving him. But, but it's our choice, like, and it's hard. And I get it, I, I, I completely understand the apostles. You're, Jesus is there, what are you doing? How could you even sleep during a storm for a start? But secondly, why are you asleep? When you can see, this is actually kind of dangerous. Right? Like, people have died out in this lake during storms. And Jesus, you're asleep. Like, do you not care? I mean, I thought we were friends. Like, do you not care? And I, I hope that the, the chosen will do this eventually. They, they will, I'm sure. But like, to see how Jesus, I mean, to, to hear those words and to hear those words in your life today, that Jesus woke up and he rebukes the wind and says to the sea, quiet now, be calm. Jesus standing up saying, okay, enough, enough of the storm, 
you've had, you know, you've, like this isn't the entirety of our lives. The entirety of our lives is not, is not storm and, 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 and pain and misfortune. That is not the entirety of our lives. There will be seasons of it. But this is not the entirety of our lives. And when God commands it's over, it's over. Jesus is preparing the disciples for the inevitable storms that will come their way. Jesus is preparing you for storms. He did not say, he never promised that if you follow me, it'll be plain sailing from coast to coast and everything will be fine. He never said that. He does tell us, if you want to be a follower of mine, renounce yourself. You know it's coming. (laughs) Take up your cross and follow me. That's what he says. He never promised plain sailing. He never promised good weather. He prepares the disciples and he's preparing you for storms because he loves you. And every storm is an opportunity to grow in virtue. Every opportunity, every storm is an opportunity to choose him. Every storm is an opportunity to grow in faith. And the more we we correspond to that, the more we're ready for that place where there are no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. Where we're taken into the Lord's heart where there is perfect peace for all eternity. So whatever cross and difficulty and storm we're going through now, and this isn't to minimize anybody's pain because uh, illness and bereavement and, and, and loss and depression, these are absolutely horrendous things. But they will pass. They will pass. The glory of heaven, after 10,000 years, you're only getting settled in. This will pass. The storms will come. But when we hold on in faith, when the dust settles, when the storm has calmed, we will find ourselves there at the Lord's feet. And in time, we will see the purpose of every, all, any and every cross that we've had to carry. You are not alone, ever. The Lord is with you. And the Lord says to each one of us and to our storms, quiet now, be calm. And the wind dropped and all was calm again. And he said to them, why are you so frightened? How is it you have no faith? And they were filled with awe and said, who can this be? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Amen.